Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. Today, Denise and I are joined by a very special guest, and we're going to be talking about how you as parents can prepare your little empathic child for this new world we're living in of distance learning. And to help us do that, I have my sister with us. Courtney is an elementary school teacher, and I know I'm biased, but I have to say she is the best teacher I know. As an example, during the last big hurricane that hit our town, Courtney went door to door to each and every one of her students to check on them and make sure they were okay and had everything they needed. She's just always putting her students first and is, I think, one of the best guests to have on to talk about how we can really help our children who are feeling nervous and scared and unsure about these strange times we're living in. So, Courtney, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's my pleasure. I'm so excited to be here. I have a lot to say, so this is great. We are beyond excited to have you with us because this is so, so important for so many parents and children and other teachers and families. This is incredibly valuable information right now, so thank you. My pleasure. Start us off with what are some of your biggest concerns for your students right now as they're trying to learn from home? Well, I'll, the biggest one to me is just the learning gaps that this is going to, to, to create. Um, you just cannot, especially for the lower grades, you cannot properly teach a child to read without being present with them, right there with them, hearing them, looking at their mouths. It's, it's just a big challenge. They're not getting the structure. They're not in their routine of learning. So the biggest thing is going to be the gaps that this is going to create in their education. Yeah, I think that's scary. And some of the studies are showing that these are some pretty serious gaps. Now, yes, one and a lot things- of kids, I don't mean to interrupt, but a lot of kids do come to school for a safe place. So yes. their safe place has also been taken away. And that's, I think the mental health issue is a big deal as well. Yeah, did you see the Pediatric Association? That was one of their recommendations. Yes, yes I did. I was happy. I personally was very happy that they put that out there. Well, you're spot on that so many students are not even just at the lower levels. School is their safe place, but it's also where in this day and age, so many get their basic needs met. It might be extra food. It might be a place to wash their clothes. It might be someone who is listening to what they have to say. And I think that this is so vital that if we are in a place where we know there are children that aren't having that safe spot, that we find a way to help them out. Yes, because, you know, especially with my, I teach first grade, and I, before that I taught kindergarten, and the social skills that are lacking, they're not having that, the experience of having conflict resolution and learning how to deal with their, their peers and working in groups, all that's taken away. So I think that's a really difficult thing to contend with. And Tell parents out there what we need to be mindful of when we're getting frustrated with teachers and this distance learning. Like, give us the teacher perspective. It's really hard. And um, I saw a meme the other day, and I just loved it. And it said, you know, we are building the plane while flying. And I just thought that was so true because we, we are new at this as well. It's not just – it's all of us in this together. And that's what I'm stressing to my parents that if you give me grace, I will give you grace. And we are going to work on this day by day in baby steps and build stamina 
for more minutes per day. But we have got to work together as parents with the teachers to just kind of dip our toes in and feel good about it and communicate. And I make sure that my parents have my, my phone number, my email, they can Zoom me. Because I, it's just, if we don't work together, then that's, I think, the, the biggest thing. So I always say to my parents, if you will give me grace, I will give you grace. And I understand that you're working. I understand that you have all these obstacles in your way. We have children at my school that they have four kids in elementary school, one in middle, one in high school. They're overwhelmed. They need to take care of their own mental health. And it's a very difficult situation that we are in. And we were on a Zoom the other day. I do a live Zoom every day for morning meeting. And the parents were just connecting with each other. One mom was saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Miss M, that I'm late. I, I got the other one on Zoom in the other room. I've got, you know, they're living in a small space trying to get all their kids on the computer on Zoom. And I said, it's okay. Don't worry. Just let's take a deep breath. And we're here and we're happy. And the man, but it's like almost like it was like the Brady Bunch. And we laughed like he was, the lady above me, I connect with you. And they were <laughs> all talking. And it was great because I thought, this is awesome. Like, not just me with the kids, but the parents were on there with them. And they were sharing their frustration. And I said, y'all need a support group. I think y'all need a support group. We all need support. That's the biggest thing. You have to have support during this time. And that is so, so spot on. And then there's the learning curve of a lot of the parents may not have access or are not comfortable with technology. So all of a sudden, they're home with all these children without the resources in place, without the supports, and trying to learn how to communicate with the teachers or... Now, some of my background is with some, I've worked in a lot of different places, and sometimes there's a, a mistrust of the school district or there's not yes. an open door. So what you're talking about is so, so, so vital because people may have their own misconstrued perceptions of what teachers or schools or education are about. And it sounds like the work you're doing, you're trying to break those barriers and make it more of a a cooperative and a collaborative situation between families and the school. That is exactly right, Denise. And that's my entire school. I work wow. with a very passionate group of educators. I've never been at a school that is this passionate. We all do home visits. We are all doing things to try to connect with our parents because a lot of our parents come from a negative experience of, right. of school and they don't, they're a little in, intimidated. And we are trying to break those barriers to say, it is okay, and I tell my parents, if you text me at 7 o'clock at night and you are just so frustrated or you don't know how to do something on Seesaw, text me. I'll be honest with you. I'll say, I, I can't talk now, but I'd call you in 20 minutes, or I can, mm -hmm. you know, we will work it out. And all the teachers I know are, are, are doing this, and I think, that's, I think that's also a hard part because we're always turned on. We are always thinking about school and the kids and are they learning, and some of them aren't starting their work till 4 o'clock because they don't have anyone to help them during the day. They're right. at a daycare. They've got someone else who's caring for them, a grandparent who does not understand the technology. So they're starting their work at 4 o'clock, and we say that is okay. Some of them are doing it on the weekends. So it, it, that is a big barrier. It really is. And the technology piece is big. We haven't even gotten all the hotspots yet for our county. So there's still people out there waiting for Wi-Fi and can't get on. Wow. 
Okay, yeah. tell people about some of the things you've been doing to create that sense of community with your class, like your Glitz Fridays, your Persistent Pineapple Reading Group. So the biggest thing I wanted to do this year was I created joy boxes. And what that is, is I just got these dollar store bins and I put in there a stuffed animal. They all got a little, a very fuzzy, warm dog. They got a book. They got a really colorful pen, pen. You know, those pens when we were kids, we loved that you clicked and you could have red, blue, green, yellow, or orange. I gave them colored pencils, a journal, and I gave them a fidget. It's like a marble in this like mesh piece that they can play with if they're nervous. And I kind of, I wrote their name on it and me and my assistant went and delivered it to the families because we wanted to let them know that this is a difficult time. And we know that the children also feel fear that they don't get to see their friends. It's already nerve wracking enough to come to a classroom and you're meeting new friends, but now you don't even have that opportunity. You don't even know who your teacher is. You, you've just seen them through a computer. So we call the parents and let them know that we will socially distance. We wear our mask. We will not come inside your home. We'll just let you know when we come and we'll, we'll stand six feet apart and we'll drop off our, our joy boxes. And that has been the biggest hit. I cannot tell you how many children take pictures of themselves with their dog and they name it. And it's just brought a lot of comfort. So I'm trying to tell the parents to create spots. We um, create a learning spot. It, it doesn't matter if it's in a little corner put something there, put their bin of goods in that little corner, wherever you can create a learning spot. I've had parents that just went overboard and they have designated their kitchen table and put up, they went to the dollar store, got trifold boards and put all their kids' passwords and all their information on the um, trifold board and kept it there. And I, I just find that so amazing that these parents are just really trying hard. They're doing everything that we are asking. And that's just a huge thing. Um, we are the persistent pineapples. That's my theme. I teach the kids that Mrs. Malahias is persistent. I make mistakes. We all make mistakes. This is a hard thing, but we learn from them. We do not give up. You might not know it yet. That's our big word is yet, but we will. So yeah, just um, really, it's just communication. Communication is the key. I had a parent call me today, very upset. She was upset because her child couldn't get through all the lessons. Her other kids were trying and frustrated. She says, I actually cried at work. And I, and I, I spent a good chunk of time just talking her off the ledge, like, it is okay. We're going to take a deep breath. We're gonna, just going to, and remember what I told you? You give me grace, I'll give you grace. And I just spoke to her about, kind of bringing her back to what we had already talked about as a group Zoom, that I understand that work is hard. Like a lot of my parents work, you know, eight, 10 hours a day um, in the industry of, in, in the food industry, it, it's stressful. Someone else is with their child. So they're trying to come home and log all their kids on and try to do this, try to do that. And if they miss a day, they get backed up and they'll see like 18 activities. And I always say to my parents, just start from today. And then if there's a moment, say, let's pick one or two from the, from the past ones. So it's just that building the relationship. Because if you don't have the relationship with the parent and the child, they're not going to want to learn from you. And the parent's not going to want to listen to you. So I have found in my years of teaching that if you have that relationship first, then everything else will fall in, in, into place. I don't have parents that don't want to talk to me. They all want to talk to me because they know that Miss M will be there.
Well, you're providing them a safe place where they're feeling respected and valued and right. not less because of their educational background or their what their position is in the community or their social standing. And that is probably one of the most amazing gifts you give your your school, your community, and your students. Mm -hmm. um, now, one of the things you had mentioned before we got on the air is the importance of having structure in the day. For uh, And I know that your focus is on younger children, but I really feel that this carries over onto all the grade levels as far as having that. And you mentioned it with having a, a set space to work. What would be some other ways to institute structure at home for, for our children? Yes, yeah, so we're trying really hard at my school that the schedule that we would have when if, if they were face to face, we're trying to maintain in our distance learning. So we're trying to do our morning meeting in the morning and that they know that reading is in the morning time and math is in the afternoon and we're trying to schedule our lessons to go out that way. So the biggest help that parents can, the biggest, I think, support that they can give their children is to create a visual schedule of pictures. And we tell our parents, we have a lot of the resources at our school. We can print and make it for you and laminate, but it is a really great thing. Get a dry erase marker and, and have that child's schedule printed. Like, and not just with words, even me as an adult, my brain needs pictures. So it's very helpful to have, you know, wake up and have a, a, a child standing up outside of their bed as a picture, brush teeth, get dressed, eat breakfast, Whatever your routine is in the morning that you would normally go to school, maintain it the best way that you can. And so that schedule is so important. Um, schedule in breaks so that the child doesn't get frustrated. And I, I, the visual schedule is a big deal. We also do, when we're in the classroom, a calm corner. And I think it's a great thing to have in your house. I used to have one with my boys when they were little in the corner of my kitchen with Play-Doh because... Kids need a place to go that if they're feeling frustrated, they know that they can use tools. And one of the things is um, that's very popular is a glitter bottle, which you get a water bottle, you put water and some glitter glue and some glitter and you seal it and let them shake it. And you put some, well, you can put food dye in it and make it all, co all, all colors. But my kids love it. And my son for a project one year made one for every one of my kindergartners. And they loved that. They would tell me situations that they had at home and I would say, well, what did you do? They say, I took out the, the, the glitter bottle and I, I laid beside my bed and I just watched that glitter fall and I breathed. Because that's what we really focus on is taking long, slow breaths and, look, and trying to calm our brains. Um, Play-Doh, fidget tools. Have a little box. If you don't have an area in your home, you can get a shoe box and put these things in it and write their name on it. And they know kids like ownership. They like to know that something is theirs because there's very few things in life that children own. Everything is the adult world. So if they have like that joy box, that was so meaningful because it had their name painted on it. And they know those items inside are theirs. And so I think that helps the child feel safe. And the biggest gift we can give a child is for us to remain calm and to keep that child feeling safe and if we, don't, if we are not good role models and we lose our temper, which, of course, we're human and we will, but if we're trying consistently to have that first response be one of calm, it's the best, thing, best gift you can give to, to your child. My assistant and I have a word. It's from conscious discipline. 
And if we can feel each other getting like a little amped up, like, a, you know, if something's going wrong, we call it pivot, turn around, take a breath, start again. So sometimes my assistant will yell across the room, Miss M, pivot. I'm like, okay, okay, getting amped up, you know. Because we all need calming strategies. I don't care if you're three years old or you're 55. You need calming strategies in your life. Those are such great tips. And I love that idea of giving the child ownership because so much of what's going on for me as an adult is making me feel like I have no control over anything. Yes. And I'm sure that's got to be terrifying for little children, especially little empathic children. Just not mm-hmm. understanding, when are we going back to school? Is this my new normal? So I love that idea of having a calming corner. When my kids were little, I used to have a boredom box. So whenever they would get bored, they could go through the boredom box. And I, I would put puzzles in there and Play-Doh, like you said, and finger paints or a new little Barbie. And one of my kids, I won't say which one in case they listen, <laughs> came up to me over the weekend and she said, can we bring the boredom box back? And I thought, oh, like no matter how old they get, they still need those little comfort tools. Yes, definitely. definitely. Well, that's what I was thinking. I think we all need a joy box right now. We yes. all need something that we have that's ours that we can go and. And I've I've said this to other empathic people over the years. I said, you know, find something that you can just do that's meditative. Whether it's knit, paint, sew, garden, do something that's repetitive but keeps you grounded and shuts your brain off a little bit. And it's I think so that true. is so, so huge right now. And even me, like I, I am a knitter, but I don't knit because my brain can't handle it. Like I'm just so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. But for me to see it, so what I've done is brought it out more in my line of vision. Just seeing yarn and needles, just seeing books helps me. It just instantly calms me. So I just think even seeing it doesn't, I don't want to even have pressure on myself to have to knit something. But just to see it and know that one day I'll get back there, it calms me. So you're absolutely right. You need to have things around you that will help to calm you. And you need to have people. You need to have backup. You have to have support. You've got to have pe- people. Well, what do you think about students who don't have that structure, whose parents are like, you're on your own, kid. I got to go to work. What do you recommend for those students? And that is probably the hardest challenge. Because those students who don't have the support, they're the ones that need to come to school. Those are our children that are probably hurting the most. They don't have that. So that's why us talking with them, us knowing, you can tell, you know, which, ch- which children need it, need it. For me, it's setting up, I, I do in individual Zooms, and you can teach them. They, are, they will listen. You can teach them strategies. When you're feeling a, cer- a certain way, go somewhere, get your joy box out, snuggle with your lovey. We call it a lovey, the dog. So all those things can be taught to children. Is it a replacement for a secure adult? No. But just them knowing that somebody cares can carry them through a lot. I agree. One of the things, my background's in special education for years and years, and I know I've heard a lot of frustration from parents who may have a student that ha- a child that has a differentiated learning style or specific needs that they're feeling they're not able to meet at home. So when someone may not fit, you you know, you're presenting, you're doing, and what 
Courtney, you're amazing because you're, you're doing an individual curriculum for each child is what it sounds like. You're making sure that each little person is getting their needs met in one way or another. But for a parent that may be home with a student that is maybe a bit delayed or may even a bit accelerated, what are some techniques we can support parents with and those children so that they can have more success during this uh, alternative learning scenario? I definitely think that parents need to reach out to, to their school and really connect. And like I said before, it's just that communication. The resources at, their, at the school level are vast, but you don't know about it unless you come or you call and you ask about it and you, you, you tell them what's going on specifically with your child. And there are people at the school, we have amazing resources, resource teachers and resource, resource curriculum. And I just think if you reach out, there are people that will be able to assist you. Because we do need to meet, you know, children where they're at. That's our big thing. You got to meet them where they're at. You can't judge it or say, oh, they're behind or they're this or they're that. You just meet them where they're at and you give them what they need. And, it, and that takes time. It takes time. That's what I'm doing now. It's like we're, we're getting to know these children over a computer. It's really tricky. And so we're always like, when I'm doing a Zoom, my assistant is taking notes. Because there's things mm -hmm. that I'm focused so much on like, what I'm doing for morning meeting, I'm going through my Google, my Google slides and I'm giving out a lot of information, but she's watching. So she can really see what's going on and she's taking notes. And I think that's very vital because then we can, t we, we can talk afterwards and we discuss what she saw and what I saw and what are, what's our next step. And, and another important, there are resources for parents that might not feel as much support from their educational system. You can get online and you can Google things. You can YouTube things. You can find a way to help your student, whether they're, they have a different learning style or not. If you're, I mean, I would absolutely love a magic wand wish is if we could transfer what you're doing with your class and with your school to other communities that may not have as strong a structure in place. But for those parents that might feel a little bit alone in all of this, there are a plethora of resources available online that, that you can tap into as well. That's true. That's very true. And, and for the social, emotional, and it's Samantha knows this because she's heard my journey, it's conscious discipline for me. And right now, especially with COVID, conscious discipline has almost, I mean, everything is free. All their resources. It's amazing. And they have printable visuals right there on their website that you can download and print. Tell people real quick what that means and where they can find it online. So it's just it's consciousdiscipline.com. That, that, that's all it is. And it's a social emotional program. It's a trauma informed program. It deals with seven skills. The seven skills help children move from like their, their lower centers of the brain to a higher place and their composure, encouragement, assertiveness, choices, empathy, positive intent, and consequences. And it's all about self-regulation because a lot of children, in order to learn self-regulation, they had to have been co-regulated. You know, when our babies cry, what do you do? You soothe them and you're teaching them as you're holding them, as you're talking to them, as you're cooing to them, and you're teaching them skills that you don't even know that you're doing. But some children don't have that. They don't ever have that that person to co-regulate with them. So when they enter school, 
Well, they don't know how to deal with that. So a lot of teachers will say, oh, just go to the timeout or go to calm down corner. Well, that's not going to teach the child anything. They have to co-regulate. It takes a lot of time. It takes me going into the calm corner with them and teaching them how to use the tools that I have in there. It means stopping my, my teaching. Thank God I have a full-time para because we, we do this together and, and teaching them how to use those tools so that they can calm down. A lot of children do not know how to self-regulate their emotions. So they have to be taught that first. And I've seen a lot of um, success with it. I'm, I'm not an expert. I am learning. I'm new to conscious discipline, but I am a big fan. It not only helps my teaching, it's helped my marriage. It's helped my parenting. I wish I had known this more when my children were smaller because your composure is just everything in life. How, how you relate to people, how you, you know, choose to answer your child. Every single thing you, you do is teaching them. They're, te they're, they're watching every minute, second of your life. It's a lot of pressure, but it's true. And so I tell all my parents, please go on conscious discipline. I am really into it. If you have a computer, go on there and just explore it because it's, it's just marvelous. And they have like the seven powers for adults, which is great. It's like the power of perception, which is no one can make you angry without your permission. I think that's a really hard one. We take as adults and children, every human takes things personally. It's really, you know, it, uh, they use an acronym Q-TIP, quit taking it personally. This child is not acting out on you. They're missing some skill. And this is an opportunity for you to teach it. So it's not necessarily about, it's not punishment, it's discipline. It's an opportunity to teach these children the missing skills that they have. And there's a lot of us have those missing skills. It doesn't matter what background you're, you're from. And, there, and these skills will last you a lifetime. I'm just learning it now. I wish I'd had it my whole life. They are excellent skills, and the way it's put together on the website makes it super easy to navigate. I love acronyms like that. I mean, Q-tip. I'm going to remember that. Q-tip, and person. also it's, um, let me think now, it's STAR. I have to think about it. STAR, S-T-A-R, and I have a big poster of it in my calm down, and it's, you, you can either say stop, take a breath and relax, or smile, take a breath and relax. But I found that when my children are super angry and they're over the top, they're not going to smile. So I use it, stop, take a breath and relax. And uh, pinwheels help. Pinwheel is probably the favorite um, calm down tool that's in my area because it's easy. It's fun to blow a pinwheel and they don't even know that they're breathing. And as soon as they stop, they, they start to breathe, you got them. And if you, one of the, the tips for, for when a child is in like a, a very angry moment is you look at them and you describe what they're doing because they're not going to look at you. They're, they're in their own little angry world. So you would describe and say, you know, Samantha, I see that your arms are going like this and maybe you're flapping them and your head's going like this in your mouth and your skin's turning red. And as soon as you notice what they're doing and you describe it to them, they look up at you like, wow, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And then you say, I know. I'm here for you. You're safe. Let's take a breath together. I'll give you the pinwheel. Take a deep breath and see if you can blow on there. 
and we blow in and we breathe into our nose and we breathe out. And I'm telling you, it works like a charm. My principal has seen me do it in, in, in the hallway with a child who wouldn't even walk down the hallway. I mean, he just was so upset over just somebody touching his shoe, you know, something as simple as that and just lost it. And we did that. And for that particular child, I used to sing a song and he just loved it. And he would say when he would call, will you sing the song? And I'd sing, rainbows and unicorns make everything better because that's what he loved. I just make up a song. So it's all these, you know, I think as humans, we take so much of what happens to us personally. And we have to remember our experience is not your experience. And we, especially with the littles, I'm here to help you have a better experience. And they say, for you as the adult, you're not, you need to stop and take a breath first and talk to yourself and say, I got this. Because if you don't have the confidence to get through it, you're not going to be able to help that child. So you have to stop and you take a breath. Say, I got this. It's going to be all right. And then deal with the child. It's like but, the oxygen thing from the airplane. You've got to exactly. breathe first and then help the child. Mm-hmm. What's the greatest communication skill that conscious discipline has taught you? I would definitely say do not take it personally. I used to take a lot of things personally, especially with, te- with teaching. Like there might be something I'm doing wrong. You know, they're, they're acting this way or definitely that and my composure. My composure has been probably the biggest change in my personal life, how I respond to things happening. My children's biggest statement that they would say to me, groan and everything is you're so dramatic mom oh you're so dramatic well they were right i was very dramatic so i'm trying really hard to change my response and really think before i speak or react it works i mean my son has told me some things about college and how he's struggling or a b or c and i think he expected me to respond like what what do you mean but i just tell me more tell me more about how you're feeling I'm interested. We'll work through it together. Well, that different response changes our relationship. Now he's more communicative with me about things because he knows I'm telling, I'm asking him to tell me more. I want to know your experience. I wouldn't describe you as dramatic. I would describe you as passionate. I get, yeah, well, I don't know, but then, you know, kids are, they think you're so dramatic, mom. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I think all teenagers are the same way. I have a question about Zoom with distance learning because it sounds like all of your students are popping up on Zoom and showing their faces. Mm-hmm. In high school, none of the students are doing that. And it kind of bothers me. The teachers aren't making them show their faces either. And I just would love to know what you think about that. For me, it's like... I have to see their faces. So I, I, I didn't really know that about high school, that they're not showing their faces. I do know that we have a teacher who's, whose child is like in middle school and they're very shy and they don't want to show their face. But for me, for accountability, I want to see what's going on. I want to see the face. And I, I think like if they're on mute and their video's off, how do you know they're there? Exactly. They can just leave it on and just, I don't know, do whatever. I, I don't understand that. I, I would make that an expectation if I was 
I would too. I think it should be a participation grade or even I definitely a think grade. So. Poor little Chloe was put in a Zoom meeting and the teacher put them in breakout rooms, one-on-one partners to do, you know, like five questions. Mm -hmm. And Chloe said, the girl muted herself and had her camera off. So Chloe's like, okay, with number one, I think it should be blah, blah, blah. And the girl said nothing. So Chloe just sat in this breakout room and did the exercise by herself. Wow. Now, I, I, I sometimes want to teach the upper grades just to do conscious discipline because conscious discipline is known for like pre-K, lower grades, but there are stories you can look up and Google DJ Batiste, who is now grown and works for conscious discipline, but he was a senior in high school when his teacher did this with him. And he was the leader of a gang and he, he only went to high school to recruit gang members. And what she did for him through conscious discipline is it's just so worth it to go on there and, and Google him and see his story. And I just think, like I said, this, this is a program for all humans and they need it more. They children, as they grow up, they act all tough on the outside and like they don't care, but they do. And they crave connection. They want to feel connected. Everybody wants to feel like they're part of something and how great to be a part of your school family. And to make sure that you, as a teacher, high school, middle school, it doesn't matter. Everyone should put the effort into creating that as best as they can. And if it's as simple as turning your video camera on and your audio on and just go around and greet everybody, that will change your whole lesson. If you just have them go around and be like, hi, my name is Chloe. Anything. I, don't, I do not think it's babyish. I think everyone needs connection. I agree. And I think the teachers need to see the other students to understand if they're getting it, if they're confused, if they're connected. I agree. And I think that goes back to, Courtney, you providing a safe environment. Because if, you're, if you have students in your class or families that may live in less than optimal living situations and they feel safe enough to show that on a camera, that's huge. Because mm-hmm. some people, especially with the older kids, they may be embarrassed or there may be things going on behind them or there may be a parent that is, is not being very parental at the time. So there, there's right. fluctuations. But I think also the skills that you're talking about, a couple of things that come to mind are, and I've been saying this for years, the kids coming in now, these little people, they're wired differently. They're keeping their light turned on. They're very empathic. They're here for the shift in energy that we're going through. And you're giving them the building blocks to be able to use this skill set that will carry them through these upper grades. It would be absolutely phenomenal to have, you know, a liaison at the upper grades and then up and through. And I think that that could happen with maybe another program or structuring the conscious discipline in a new direction. But Everybody, every child wants to feel valued and seen. That, I absolutely the, agree. It's right. the most important thing. And I'm so grateful. It's one of the reasons I stay at my school, that that is valued so much at my school. It's relationships first. And right. even with this distance learning, our principal was like, you know, for, forget the lessons for the first week or so. You got to get in there and get to know these kids we use Sanford Harmony at my school, which is a social emotional program. So I'm combining, you know, conscious discipline with Sanford Harmony. They're very similar, 
those were the lessons that we did for the first week of school so that kids were doing activities to get to know all about me, drawing themselves, telling us, you know, I wish my teacher knew this about me and just getting to know them. And I think that is huge because if you have the relationship, everything else will fall into place. You have to have the boundaries. You have to have rules and expectations and very high expectations, but it's definitely about the relationship. You can't just get on there and start teaching a lesson. That's not going to be beneficial and the kids are not going to buy in and the parents aren't going to buy in. So a lot of empathic kids tend to be shy by nature and they tend to be more reserved and they like to sit back and observe and watch first. And I think that this distance learning is only promoting that. So what are some suggestions for parents of shy little empaths to help them come out of their shell a little bit more through this distance learning? Is it all on the teacher to promote that? Or can parents help their their child to speak up and speak out more over Zoom or through emails or texting their teacher? I do think that's really hard. I do have one child that's very shy and in the beginning, you know, would not, she kept her video on and her audio on, but she would hide from the from the camera because it is kind of shocking you know e- e- even us we don't like to see ourselves on on camera we're like Ugh, you know I look at it like oh gosh you know so and I think the kids are like that too like it's kind of like and then they see all their friends so it, I think it's just giving them time and and talking about it how there's no it's just a picture it's just a voice that's why you know with, with that little girl I said to the parent have her bring her dog the next time on there and maybe she could just talk through the dog because I use a puppet and it, it's helpful so if they feel like they're not talking directly to me and they could put their little she named her dog princess she could put princess there and talk through princess well that's helpful older grades that's really tough for me because I have such a kindergarten first grade mindset you know about how to how to get a child who's so shy um, to engage think that is tricky. It is tricky, but those are really good suggestions to have maybe even like a mascot as princess speak for you. Or I think sometimes it backfires when teachers make the shy kid talk. Yeah. But if yeah, you could, can find they something. they type in like the, in the chat box so they know they're participating. Yes. You know, something like that. Like I'm here and make it an expectation at least you could chat, you know, if you don't want to show your face, you could chat and you could answer some questions in the chat box. Yeah, I think that's that's really good. And that's my big concern for, for children right now who are distance learning. I, I mean, I am concerned about a lot of other things with distance learning, but just that lack of community and connection and understanding how to put on that brave face and show up for this new way of learning. It's hard for some kids. Yeah, yes. I agree with that. And for other kids, they're truly flourishing with this because it's giving them that sense of individuality. And and I'm going up to higher grades, and I was speaking with a teacher that teaches uh, computer programming at a high school level, and he said some of my students that in the classroom felt uncomfortable speaking up or being a part of things, they are excelling in this home environment situation. So for some it may be a positive thing as well for some of the older students. But my concern is parents that may be at any level, maybe because we all know it's much different teaching someone else's children than teaching your own. 
I've worked with difficult, difficult children for years and years. And my own sons, it was like, whoo, this is a whole other, whole other ball game here. Definitely. And, yeah. and that's huge. So maybe one thing is if you have, I know a lot of families now where they may be having concerns about their students, they're getting groups together in mini Zoom groups, or they're doing learning pods, or they're doing things so that they're almost having subsets of school to help bring that cohesiveness together for the kids. And I mean, Samantha, your girls are older. So I'm sure you're seeing that some of the social stuff that they're so acclimated to isn't able to happen and in ways that they can try to keep their bonds with their friends. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely a struggle. But you're right, there's a lot of positives. My kids are forced to be much more independent with their education now because between the three of my kids, I've got 13 teachers to deal with. And so, you know, and a full-time job. So I'm trying to really encourage them to be, like if they have a problem and they come to me, I would say to them, did you email your teacher? Did you chat about it in the Zoom? So I'm trying to get them to not rely so much on me because they literally think I'm a walking Google, first of all. (laughs) (laughs) But you are anyway, Samantha. You know a lot of stuff. Uh, You're my walking Google, too. (laughs) No. no. (laughs) You are. It's so funny. They come up and ask me, them. I'm like, did you try Googling that? But it is helping them to be more of a self-starter. And I think that's a fantastic skill to learn. And I think you need to, you as plural, not, you know, just people, understand how you learn. And if I reflect, this has been helpful on identifying how you are as a learner. Like I have twin boys who are in college and the one loves this online college. He just is flourishing because he can do it on his own time. Mm-hmm. There's no schedule. And he's very good at his, his, his creating his own because he, he's a night owl. He likes to do it all at night. His grades have improved. The other one needs face-to-face. He needs that relationship. He needs someone to say, yeah, you're doing great. So he was scrambling trying to find some face-to-face classes and dropping all the online. So I think it's important to know who we are as, as learners. I'm with the, the son who needs face-to-face. I mean, when my principal said we had to go into work, and not work from home virtually, I was thrilled. I need to go, I need to wake up, have a purpose, get dressed professionally, go to a building and work with my colleagues and collaborate. I need that, that helps me grow as a teacher. All my things are there and I'm in, I'm in teacher mode. So I think that is hard for students. That's why you know one of the beginning lessons we did was to create a learning space, wherever it is. Because if you don't have a place that you go to for that specific activity, it's hard to get your brain there. We try to encourage our children, don't be in, the, in your bed, in your pajamas with your iPad. Get out of bed. Get dressed. Feel good and say, I'm in my learning spot. And I encourage my children to take a picture of it many times. Add it to your Seesaw journal. Show me what you're doing. And they do. They video themselves and they talk to me. It's adorable. Yeah, and they might, especially the older kids, they might resist it at first, but they need structure. They do. I have started taking their phones. They have to turn it in at 10 p.m. And I'm sure you can guess who resisted that, Courtney, but (laughs) one of them seriously resisted. The other two were like, okay, fine. 
And it was awful the first week. And then last night, they all just marched in and gave me their phones and I didn't have to nag or text or threaten to take it away because that was my big thing. If you don't turn it in by 10, that's fine. You just lose it for 72 hours. See, and you then, set the expectation. It's a high expectation and children will rise to it. They yeah. might fight you at first. You got to get through the difficulty and then it, you'll come out on top. They fought me really hard. But one of them said, I'm really glad you did that because I was on TikTok way too much or you know, not going to sleep, or if I fell asleep and woke up, I'd reach for my phone, whereas now I just will lay in bed and kind of daydream and follow my thoughts until I fall back asleep. So little things like that. I let them each pick their own learning spot. I wanted it to for all of us to be at the dining room table. That didn't work for them. So they've all picked their own learning spots that's out of the bedroom, and then I just periodically go in and check on them. But you know, it's just been really hard. And, and I think it's, as parents, I know I'm just focused on my kids. I'm not really thinking about the teacher. And I don't mean that in a rude, negative, or selfish way. I'm just 100% focused on my kids. What are some things that we parents can do for teachers besides giving them grace? Are there, are there like, does it help to email the principal if one teacher's doing an excellent job? Or Oh, absolutely. I, I think that teachers need feedback. Um, what, what are you struggling with? What do you like? I know as a teacher, I, I, I love it when a parent will let me know, even that parent that called me today. Well, that was feedback. They're overwhelmed. So now I go back and think, am I assigning too many lessons? Let me think about this and let's have a conversation. Feedback is vital. So I think that what teachers need is the parents to tell them, especially when they're doing a good job. I think people are so quick to just notice the negative but what's the positive happening because i don't know i mean i'm speaking from lower grades but i you know samantha and i you and i are in a book club with teachers from what three 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 different schools yep and they're all passionate they're all working so hard and working after hours and it would be nice to for a parent to say thank you i i i see you i hear you i i see you're trying really hard and i appreciate it and Wow, CCing the principal on something like that? Well, of course, that'd be a big bonus. Yeah. That's what I did last semester with the teachers who would CC the parents. Because as a high school mom, that was my biggest frustration, is the teachers are only speaking to the students. So I'd have to log on to their email and the amount of passwords I had to memorize last semester and the amount of different Khan Academy and Noodle and all these different websites, it drove me crazy. But the teachers that would CC me on emails, like heads up kids, we've got a Zoom here or quiz on Friday, I would always respond to those teachers and say, thank you for keeping me in the loop. It was one less thing I had to do to remember, oh, check in on the chemistry teacher's website and see if the kids for, cause I feel like at this age, I shouldn't have to backtrack them. Uh -huh. And so I did CC the principal on all of those. What about like, just if anyone out there, who knows who has time in these days, but I think it would be so nice if just once during the semester, like you dropped off, like maybe a gift card to a local restaurant for your, for your teacher, or just something to let them know you're thinking about them. Does that stuff matter to you guys? Oh, it matters so much. I can't tell you how much it matters. Yeah, it really does. And, you know, I work at a school where it just, you know, our, our, our parents struggle. So when they do something like that, it just means all the more to me. 
it's like one little boy once, you know, I'm going through menopause and I have so many hot flashes and those poor, I'm always fanning myself. And one day it was nothing special. It wasn't Valentine's day or Christmas or my birthday. He came in with his grandma and he said, and she said he was at the dollar store and he was adamant to get you this fan. <laughs> and it's just one of these fans. And I, it, that was like probably one of my favorite presents. I was like, that just meant so much to me because he noticed like I'm always hot and he's somewhere outside of school and he's thinking about Miss Allen. Like how, how special is, is that? You know, I, I had one child who just, you know, you get coupons in the mail. Well, I'm always drinking coffee, always. And they saw something like a, a, a coupon for Dunkin' Donuts coffee and they put in a little envelope and they decorated it and it was just for them, for Miss M. Like all those things, teachers love it, everything, a picture drawn. It's just amazing to me how little it takes to please us. It's just really appreciation, which is everybody. Everybody just wants to be validated and you want to hear the good stuff. You want to hear the good stuff that you're, you're doing because it's, we're too quick to say the bad, you know? We all deserve a pat on the back. We sure now, do. Do I have your permission to share some of your YouTube stories? My YouTube stories? The stories that you posted, your story time. Yeah, what, 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 what about them? Well, can I share them on our Facebook page? Aren't they on YouTube? Yes. You mean my read-alouds? Yeah, your read-alouds. Oh, well, you can. I mean, they're public, but they're not that exciting, I promise. I think they are. So one thing my sister did to keep the community with her classroom going is she just set up her video in her kitchen or her living room, and she read stories to her students. And I just think it's the sweetest thing. A lot of teachers did that, Samantha, but thank you. Okay. You're well, like I'm my still biggest cheerleader. I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> you're so sweet i love it though well you're doing a great job thank you um, and one thing i'd like to put out there and you are this is incredible because it's so positive it's uplifting it's empowering for your students and your families and just one of the things i i sat through so many iep pet meetings where parents were feeling overwhelmed for any parents that may be struggling with this you know your child best you know, and, it, and that might mean that you say, okay, we're all burning out. Let's just go make dinner together or let's go take a walk or let's, you know, do something together that's going to be, I, I think there are other alternatives to if, if someone is having a real struggle, you know how to take care of your child, whether they're five or 15 or, or you know, graduating from high school and going into college if they need that break or they need that nurturance or they need something else, please trust yourself to know you're going to make the right choice. Denise, that is such well a good point. Denise, such a good point. You're so right. You really are. And, you know, we've had great teachers in our family and not so great teachers and indifferent teachers. And through this online learning, you know, my youngest has dyslexia and sometimes she needs extra time on material no matter what kind of teacher we've had, if I've emailed that teacher and said, she's really struggling with this assignment, can we have an extra day? They've always said yes. I haven't met one teacher who's like, hell no, the due date's at midnight tonight, sucker. You know, like they're always mm -hmm. like, of course. And, and that so, goes back to communicate. Yes, yes. And I think we parents need to remember that we are in charge of not only our child's education, but how well they're flourishing or not flourishing during this time. And so if we see them struggling, 
you know, at the end of the day, it's a grade. It doesn't, uh-huh. it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it just, it matters, but it doesn't matter. You doesn't know, define you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And there have been many days where I have said to the kids, pack it in, pack it in. You know, we're going to go for a walk. We're going to hit the trails. We're going to go to the pool because you can see where that stress just piles up on them and it's too much. It is. It is a lot. And I, I just like that, Denise, because you really do know your child and just it, it, it's okay. I've even said that to my parents, like, you know, sometimes you just need to take the morning off and that's okay. It really is. Right. Yeah. And as we wrap up, I just want to say one thing to our young 20 something listeners out there. My sister did not like school when she was a kid, nor did I. And we both became teachers. Isn't that wild? It really is. None, neither of us were like, yay, we get to go to school. No, I Tara loved it, but you and I were like, hell no. I didn't like, I, I don't think I had, um, unfortunately, I, I, I only had one teacher that I ever Mr. Phillips. With. Mr. Phillips, that's it. Mr. <laughs> Phillips. I just, we moved so much. So I think we were also very mistrusting. We just didn't trust people. But I didn't. I didn't ever have. I. I never had a teacher that um, noticed me. That no. really, and that's probably part of the reason that I'm like the way I am because I really want to make sure that I notice my children. It's very important to me. But you know I what? was pretty invisible my childhood. I was too, and it really bothered me. I did not want to be invisible. I wanted a teacher to say, "Wow, you're special." And what fascinated me when I started teaching was how easy it is. How easy. Thank you, Samantha. It is so easy. You're so right. It takes one pat on the shoulder. One. yeah. I love the way you wrote that. Or, oh my gosh, everyone, look at this drawing Jimmy just did. It's so easy to make a kid feel special. And I'm shocked that more teachers don't do it. Just a warm smile and a a greeting at the door. Yeah. That's it. Yep. You know, pay, pay attention, focus. You're there for a reason. You are there to connect with those children and give them the skills they need so that they're successful. And your idea of success might be a little different. Like you need to meet them where they're at and help them grow. That's the most important thing is that they grow academically and emotionally. Well, you know, my kids aren't super big fans of school either. And they always say to me, how did you decide to be a teacher? I mean, you knew you were going to be poor and then you'd have to deal with all these parents and these annoying students. And I always say to them, it is the most rewarding job. It, it is all those things. It is a struggle. It is difficult. It is, it is, it is, it is. But at the end of the day, when you look a student in the eye and say, I see something special in you and you watch them light up, there's just there's just no greater gift. And I just don't think you can get that sitting in an office or I, I don't know. I just don't know any other job that gives you that gift of helping light someone up. And, so. you know, one of our seesaw activities was, um, you know, record yourself telling us something you want us to know about you, what you want your teacher to know. And this one little girl re- recorded, I want my teachers to know that they're awesome and I love them. And we saved that clip. And like when we're having a bad day, we replay that clip over and over. Like that was just the cutest little thing. I love that. And that was my gift for the day. You're awesome and I love you. Okay, I'll take it. It's awesome. 
I know. And we both said we need to watch her because she's going to be famous or something. Because what six-year-old thinks about anyone but themselves? It was great. Yeah. Most of my kids were like, you know, I want them to know I like basketball or I want them to know I like pizza. And this little girl was like, I want them to know they're awesome. And I love them. Like, okay. Well, we love you, Courtney. And we thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your time and talent and expertise with us. It's been super helpful and fun for me. It was so fun. And I so appreciate you both having me on your show. It's so, I feel so honored. Oh, thank you. And thank you for shining your light for all those little babies. That's and families and community. And the same to you all. You're always shining your, your light and you are inspiration to me every day. Oh, what a love fest. Well, thank you guys <laughs> you. so much for listening. All right. As always, remember to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care. Bye.